Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, welcome. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and this is our time of prayer and scripture reflection each day. Thank you for being with us, uh, and uh, all of us here at Priests for Life pray for you each day, and uh, we know all of you in coming here want to pray not only for uh, your own intentions, but for everyone else that's joining us. So feel free to leave those intentions in the comments. Let us know what prayer needs you have, what prayer requests you're making of the Lord, so that we can add our amen to uh, the desires of your heart today. I'm going to do our reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians as we get underway, allowing the Word of God to be proclaimed to us once again, because each time we do this, each time we read the Scriptures, it is Christ proclaiming His Word. It's not just us reading from some word that was written in the past. It's Christ speaking in the present. That's the understanding of Christians uh, as they approach this living Word. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, speak Your Word once again. Lord Jesus, teach us once again. Holy Spirit, descend on us with understanding once again. You are the living Word, O God. Enable us to live by Your Word. Let that Word point out our sins to us. Let that Word give us the courage to repent. Let that Word give us the peace that comes with the assurance of Your forgiveness. And let that Word impel us to go into the world and to proclaim the good news to every creature born and unborn, to save every life, to serve every life, indeed to proclaim the sanctity of every life. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Okay, Paul writes to the Corinthians the following words in chapter 9, second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, will also reap bountifully. Each must do as already determined, without sadness or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Moreover, God is able to make every grace abundant for you, so that in all things, always having all you need, you may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. The one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You are being enriched in every way for all generosity, which through us produces thanksgiving to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Scripture is a story of generosity. The first verb in the Bible is create. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the Scriptures begin. And how does Scripture end? Scripture ends with Jesus saying, 
in the end of the book of Revelation, that the one who thirsts come and receive the gift of life without price. And then he promises that he's coming soon. The gift of life without price, that was, that's what marks the beginning of Scripture, the end of Scripture, and everything in between. The generosity of God. The generosity of God. He didn't have to create us. He did so purely out of His generous love. And this, as, as you have seen me develop this theme in many other passages, this is what gives rise to the command to us to be generous, to be a cheerful giver. It's based on the very nature of God, that He gives generously and cheerfully. He urges us to be generous. Now, this doesn't just refer to giving alms to the poor. When you see the, 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 the collection box in church, perhaps there is a box. I always remember growing up in our parish, there was a simple box there on one of the walls, and it simply said, all it said was three words, for the poor. And you may have those in your church, or you may get a, an appeal in the mail. Uh, uh, it's not ge simply generosity about giving to the, the needy, although this command includes that. It's about generosity in just everything that God calls us to do and to be every day. Live generously is what this call is about. A cheerful giver, not just a cheerful giver of money to the poor, a cheerful giver of the time, the service, the devotion, the duty, the worship, everything that we give to God each day, we're offering to Him a sacrifice of praise, right? We're saying, Lord, today, You've given me today. Now I need to give it back to You through generous service, doing my duty, whatever my vocation in life is, if I'm a parent, generously serving my children, if I'm a priest or a religious, generously carrying out my uh, mission, uh, if I'm uh, in service to my community, doing it generously, whatever my work is during the course of the day. Not just, you know, Paul uses the words here, sadness and compulsion. You know, that's how you drag through life, sadness and compulsion. Oh, I've got to do this, you know. It's a monotonous drudgery for so many people. Certainly it's a blessing to love the work that you have to do anyway. And, and that's what God is, is, is saying here. Now, for some people, that, that, that there, some people are more fortunate than others in as much as their work is what they love, or it is, it corresponds to a mission in their life. And uh, it, it, it's, it's actually easier than to live out this commandment. Maybe you don't like your work all that much, but you're doing it because you know you have to make a living, provide for your family, provide for yourself. But the Lord is in the midst of that too. And this is an invitation to ask Him for the grace to do generously and cheerfully Everything that we need to do, knowing that there is a joy in the fulfillment of duty. The fulfillment of duty, just because it's duty, does not have to be sadness and compulsion. We want to run in the way of God's commands. This is what the Spirit does 
for us, the Holy Spirit who made us according to the Word of God, fills us as we see the commands of God and enables us to embrace them with joy. Run in the way of the commands, doing generously, generously what we have to do each day, giving it a little extra push, extra quality, extra excellence in what we do, going above and beyond what we need to do, asking us ourselves when we have a task that is given to us, not simply, oh, when do I have to get this done by, but how soon can I do this? Don't ask what the minimal requirement is. Of course, obviously, we have to know the parameters of any duty that we have, any obligation we need to fulfill. But if we're always looking at what the deadline is rather than what the opportunity is to get that work or that task done earlier, life is going to be much more pleasant for us. And then to go above and beyond wherever it's possible or appropriate with joy, serving the Lord. So again, not just in terms of what we're donating, but what we're doing, living generously, because this is how God is. And let me apply this to one more thing. Being parents. You know, the church teaches that when two people get married, if one or the other or both do not have the intention at that point in time to generously welcome children that God may give them, that marriage doesn't happen. It's not a valid marriage in the eyes of the church because they're failing to consent to one of the essential aspects of what marriage is in the first place. They're not choosing marriage if they're not choosing openness to to children. Just like if they're not choosing marriage, just like they're not choosing marriage if they're not making it a permanent commitment. I intend to be with you till death do us part. Well, if, you, if your intention instead is, well, I'm going to be with you until, uh, until uh, unless it doesn't work out, or I'm going to be with you for five years and then we'll renegotiate. The marriage does, actually doesn't happen. Sure, the words are said, but the ceremony happens, but the marriage doesn't happen unless and until you're consenting to that totality of giving. God loves a cheerful giver. This, is, this applies there, too. And the generosity when it comes to new life. God may give you that life in, a, in an expected or an unexpected way. You may be trying for it. You may be open to it, but not necessarily knowing if, if you're ready, or you may not feel you're not ready. But whatever happens... This verse applies to those who are pregnant and afraid. Pregnant and, uh, oh, maybe I have too many children already. God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, the cheerfulness of our giving, the generosity of our welcoming of new life, is based on our trust in the power and promises of God. That's where it comes from. Lord, you created this child. You did. Now, either you're real or you're not. Either you have the power to make this work or you don't. This is is the choice we have to make. Do we believe in and trust Him 
And the more we do, the more we're going to be able to be at peace and generously welcome that new life that He Himself has placed in our midst. Instead of, as Paul says, sadness and compulsion. Sadness and compulsion also go along with fear. And that, of course, often poses a threat to the very life of the child because fear and desperation, sadness and compulsion lead so many to the temptation of abortion. And you see the other side, the pro-abortion people, when we're just trying to protect the lives of babies and put up some guardrails against what could be the worst decision of a person's life with the most devastating consequences, that is, the killing of one's own child, they will turn around and say, Ah, you're compelling people to be pregnant. You're compelling forced motherhood. Well, would you say the same thing about telling a mother she can't throw her child into a lake? Oh, but you're forcing her to be a mother. That's ridiculous. But the antidote really comes here in this passage. Looking at the generosity of God who gave forth the whole universe in a free act of creation. The God then at the beginning of time who said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He wants us. We are made in the, in the image and likeness of God. That's why we're called to be generous. Because God is generous by His very nature. Making us according to His image means we're to, to live that way too. And that beautiful, cheerful generosity based on infinite trust in the Lord is what overcomes the temptation to abortion. And that's what we have to help others to do. As Mother Teresa always said, you stop abortion by teaching the mother to love. Teaching the mother in, indeed to do what this very passage teaches us. Let us pray. Lord, you love a cheerful giver because you have cheerfully given us all creation, given us the commandment to be fruitful, to be generous, to go above and beyond. Lord, enable us to live each moment of our life with that generosity, generously looking for opportunities to serve you and our brothers and sisters, generously embracing our duties each day, letting your command bring us joy. Teach us, Lord, to live in this manner. Enable all your people to live with this generous, joyful love. And we pray now as Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, we're approaching the anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, June the 24th. Last year, that was the day that the Supreme Court corrected the most grievous mistake it had ever made, the 1973 decision authorizing baby killing in the United States. 
Let's pray the prayer that I have at SupremeCourtVictory.com. And I want to recommend that website to you as the place to go to learn about the Dobbs decision. You know, we have to not only give thanks for it, we have to study it. Because in the pro-life movement, we can't take the next step after Dobbs unless we study Dobbs. And frankly, as I've said, that's a mistake that uh, many in the movement have, have made, even some leaders thinking that they can cr craft you know, the next step after Dobbs without really delving into Dobbs and, and, and studying it and learning about it. So you can do that at SupremeCourtVictory.com. We've got lots of videos and articles there. We'll be having more. We're having special broadcasts this week. Uh, talking about the anniversary and how we are to build off of this. Uh, we need to pray as well. So I want to say this prayer and invite you to download it there from SupremeCourtVictory.com. Share it with your pro-life groups, your, your friends, family, pastors, and so forth. Let's pray. Lord God and Father of life, you love all that you have created and protect all who are in danger. You entrust us to the care of each other and establish earthly authority to protect the rights that you yourself bestow. Lord, for five decades, your people in America have marched, prayed, educated, lobbied, and voted, seeking to end the destruction brought about by abortion and the Roe v. Wade decision. And now before our eyes, you have answered those prayers with the decision of the Supreme Court to reverse Roe and allow the people to protect the unborn once again. We praise you for your faithfulness and for the strength of our American Constitution that allows us to correct these mistakes. We thank you for the work of all in the pro-life movement over all these years to bring about this victory. We thank you for the lawmakers in Mississippi and elsewhere who passed laws to protect the unborn despite the obstacles the courts put in their way. We thank you for the voters who have elected pro-life candidates at the state and federal level in the hope that Roe would eventually fall. We thank you for President Donald J. Trump and for the justices he placed on the Supreme Court, all of whom voted to reverse Roe. We thank you for all the justices who courageously voted the right way in this case, despite pressure, protest, and threats. We thank you that they decided to restore to the people and their elected representatives the right to limit and prohibit abortion. Continue to give your grace and protection to them and to their families. Lord, as a result of this case, give the unborn and our whole nation a new and refreshing season of life. Bring us a new breath of freedom, a new measure of common sense, a rediscovery of justice and wisdom, and a big step forward in building a culture of life. Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to grant freedom to the oppressed, Grant freedom, then, to the children in the womb. And in these days, set our nation on a course of rejecting the violence of abortion and treating children in the womb with equal justice under law. Thank you, Lord, for the victory of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. SupremeCourtVictory.com. And let me give you one more website, friends. ProLifeGift.org. Summertime, donations are always low for, for every uh, charity. And can you help us pick up the slack on that a little bit? Uh, some of you are donors, and so you may donate in other ways, sending in checks and, and so forth, and we appreciate that. But for those of you that give online and perhaps have not yet given to us, 
ProLifeGift.org. Send us a gift today. Help us to continue this life-giving work. Every little bit helps. We rely on you. We're not like these uh, pro-abortion groups that get these big government grants or, or, or even, even primarily from foundations and whatnot. We rely on you, individual donors throughout the world. Please consider going there today, ProLifeGift.org, to support this work. Thank you in advance. And let's continue building the culture of life. Talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priest for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priest for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.